Hello, this is Tom Pacello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Dustin Zweck. He is currently a VP of sales with our sponsors, Mediafly, a leading sales enablement provider. Dustin's a hunter. He's responsible for new client acquisition. And man, this is tough normally, but even more so in this environment. Uh, before Mediafly, Dustin was a sales exec with Corporate Executive Board, CEB. They're the creators of the Challenger sale. And now that is a part of my alma mater, Gartner. I've also had the pleasure of selling alongside Dustin for over the past three years. And Evolvers, he is absolutely the real deal. Please welcome Dustin Zweck. Thanks so much, Tom. I love your content and the opportunity to uh, to uh, share my thoughts and and become part of your community is really exciting. So thanks for having me on today. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So your education uh, from a little bit of research was in history and economics, an awesome combination. And I love both topics a lot. But how the heck did that lead you to a career in sales? That's a great question and good homework. Uh, so you're right. Yeah. Uh, graduated from University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire with a, uh, a degree in history and economics. And yeah, the background on that actually is my track was uh, secondary education. I wanted to be a high school teacher and, and a baseball coach. And this is kind of where the story of my chip on my shoulder begins, actually. I was rejected from the School of Education twice. Um, it's a very high accolade program and, and, and great school. Nothing bad to say about it but it put me in a position at about 90% of the way through my uh, college career. I needed to figure out what did I want to do? And with a conversation with my father, he said, listen, you've been selling yourself at, uh, I worked at a Texas Roadhouse. So a nice little plug for Texas Roadhouse here uh, for about six years and very successful, um, really paid a lot of my way uh, through tips and, 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 and doing a good job on the service side. And, you know, I kind of took a step back and realized selling is something I, I do every day and I enjoy it. So uh, the rest is kind of history. <laughs> awesome. Now do you come in and cut anyone's tie who's wearing a tie as well? Isn't that a Texas Roadhouse tradition? So there's is I, I would have to line dance. So a skill in uh, humility uh, and in a packed restaurant, uh, being able to line dance. And so I think you know a lot of things have translated over my career, but um, having fun, humility, and and ultimately kind of identifying how you can help people without them telling you um, how mm -hmm. you can help them, those are things that have definitely translated to uh, my career since then. Awesome, awesome. So I've tended to learn a lot more from stumbles and failures than I've learned from my successes. Definitely, I've had a fair share of uh, failures and stumbles. I would love to know, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, and we've been on a bunch of sales calls, all of which have gone really well. So I don't think any of the ones that we've been on together are going to make this list. But right. tell me about your absolutely, thinking back, your absolute worst sales experience that you've had. Yeah, so they're not all uh, sunshine and butterflies, right? And, and I totally agree where, where we've made the most improvements have come from failures. And there's one uh, one that really comes to mind that uh, when I when I came back to Mediafly, uh, we we went out and did a pitch the way we used to do pitches, mm -hmm. and we were in front of a target persona. And what we had been doing is save the solution about that specific target persona, a marketer for the end is kind of the the big bang approach. Uh, 
and, and you know, going through the whole solution, the story, asking them really good questions throughout. And about halfway through the meeting, she said, why aren't you talking to our head of sales? I'm, I'm our CMO. And, and it really, so, so the meeting went poorly, didn't get the next step. And, and right after that call, uh, I, it was an in-person meeting actually, I, I called our CEO and said, listen, we need to change the way uh, we're, we're running our meetings. And, and there was some collective data behind that, but ultimately, you know, I think the story there was, you know, whether it's because of COVID economics or your product has evolved, you can't just keep doing things the same way. You have to really dig in and, and not take those negative experiences as pure negatives, like you did something wrong, but an opportunity to get better. I think the other thing too there, Dustin, to interpret a little bit is, you know, you're sitting with the CMO, they want to know what the heck is in it for me? What are you seeing with other CMOs just like me? What problems can you solve for CMOs like me? And give me some relevance instead. It was much more of a, hey, you had a set way of kind of presenting through all of the features. And so it was a feature pitch as opposed to a challenge conversation. Yeah. And, and it, it was a real, it was actually a challenge conversation, but for the wrong persona. You know, I think one thing that I've, that uh, going even back to the CEB days is, is, you know, uniquely had good training there that is translated to Mediafly and our teams now. But I think it was, we identified that our persona had changed Mm -hmm. of, of who we sold to. And Mm -hmm. that has led to a lot of really great successes in the last 12 months since that the meeting where I walked out feeling like uh, pretty low, but again, when you compare it to singing and dancing at Texas roadhouse uh, you know, life was pretty good. And it led to some good changes where we recognized that you had to have a, um, all of the personas covered and value is truly in the eye of the beholder. So making sure you're aligning with the challenges and the business value that they can get out of it is important and net it out right away with them, right? Because short attention spans right now, especially with COVID. Extremely. And, and that couldn't be more true of what happened in that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sitting in on a, a virtual sales call the other day for a client. The seller pulls up their PowerPoint, proceed to go through typical slide deck, right? It's got the agenda all about company uh, tombstone slide or as some people call it the NASCAR slide with all the companies on it they showed how fast the company was growing that was your typical kind of death by PowerPoint presentation why do you think sellers still rely on PowerPoint so much as a crutch for their meetings and now even more so now online it seems to be that folks are not really uh, ready to present or converse in a new way and are relying more and more on traditional PowerPoints than ever before. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a problem for a long time and, and PowerPoints have always, have always sucked. And they, I think sellers have been able to get by with um, specifically sellers that have been selling in a uh, very much an in-person sales environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the best of the best could, take a a marketing deck that just like you said you know led with you know about us and about um, all of our customers all of our solutions but the best of the best i'm able to put that aside and and hold a really good conversation face to face being able to read the person they're selling to and what we're seeing today more than ever is even the best of the best need content that's Mm -hmm. about the customer 
that obviously you're going to be talking about your company at some point. Like they, they know why they joined the meeting, but as soon as, a, as a, especially a buyer sniffs out that this conversation is more about the, not more about the vendor than their business, you mentioned short attention spans. That's where things really go off the rails. So I think uniquely right now, companies need to be thinking about how do we enable our sellers to capture the attention? And it still can be with PowerPoint. It just needs to be rethinking about the types of content and the way it's set up so that your sellers can, can confidently hold these conversations virtually. It actually, you brought up history before as my major, this whole time we're in has really reminded me of one of, uh, a test. I, I don't know if I passed it, but I do remember the content. And it's from the 1960 presidential election. Um, it was JFK and Nixon. And it was the first presidential election that was televised. Why that's relevant now is if you think about it, what is different is the lights are starting to turn off for sellers. I was on a meeting last week, seven people from a buying committee, not a single camera on. And my, here I am, my face is on and I'm, you know, I'm talking about them, but I have no idea what they're looking at or I have uh, no idea. Yeah. Are they checking their email? Are they no, on Slack? Are they what, looking at their phone, watching a video? Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that election, why it's important is, you know, people that only heard it thought it was about 50, 50 mm -hmm. people that viewed it. It was about 80, 80, 20 was, was in favor of, of JFK based on a lot of factors, but mm -hmm. you know, that's just something, you know, when you think about learning from the past, learning from history, I'm seeing that again now reinforces how do we enable our sellers in an environment where they're no longer pick up, picking up on these cues that the best of the best always could um, mm -hmm. to ensure that they're still capturing the attention of, of said buyer. Yeah, and the importance of visuals uh, for the seller themselves to make sure that they are coming off professional and um, in a very convincing manner and that they're reinforced. So where PowerPoint I see falling down the biggest is that it's linear, right? Almost every PowerPoint deck we get is this linear presentation as if the buyer is going to follow a specific script that we gave them. And it would be good if they did, but shoot, now in online meetings, if you're going through anything linear and you're not having a conversation and being able to jump around dynamically, and tell stories and be able to uh, pivot the conversation to exactly where it takes you. Uh, I think that first you've gotta be really good on the video and think about your video presentation, just like JFK did versus Nixon, it made all the difference. And then second, your supporting material has to be able to uh, pivot to exactly where the customer's going, if not guide them to where you'd like them to go, but not dictate where the conversation goes. Big difference. from And, and be dynamic, be interactive, be yep. modern, um, not be a bunch of bullets on a slide like I still see, like that presentation I sat in on the other day for a client. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I think one thing that I've noticed in the, the top performers that I work with is, is call it out too. You know, the moment you pivot now, now we're uniquely positioned because we use Mediafly and, you know, where it's, you know, we live and breathe, you know, the sales enablement platform every day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even if, you know, it's one of the largest commercial real estate companies in the world that was using Mediafly or used Mediafly in a huge pitch last week, they called out the fact multiple times that notice we pivoted to talk about what you wanted to. And, and I think 
don't don't be afraid of calling out those things mm -hmm. because I think the buyers need constant reminders of how well that seller is doing in a meeting. So so don't be cocky, don't be arrogant, but just let them know, saying you know let's let's pivot there, let's do it. And and where that breaks is if you know the the organization doesn't arm the seller with the right solutions to to do those things because um, otherwise it is difficult. Yeah. So I'll remind you of corporate. Uh... CEB, um, sure. Corporate Executive Board, had this great statistic that basically said, look, it's not your product or your services that differentiate you anymore. It is much more, the majority, is about the customer experience, the engagement between the seller and the buyer. And what we're talking about is really rethinking that experience now that we're online and we're not shoe leather sellers anymore. We're all inside sellers, yet many of us haven't been trained that way. Many of us haven't been armed that way. So what are you doing with your sellers to make sure they're ready for this new online experience? Because they would do visits and press the flesh before, maybe 50-50, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, uh, definitely. We when obviously when it's qualified and when when it's worth the you know travel for sure mm -hmm. we'd have sellers out in the field all the time and and just to prove you didn't tee up this uh, podcast to me uh too much i i don't recall the statistic but i know which one you're talking about for mm -hmm. ce and it's specifically related to why companies would renew and buy more um from a company it is mm -hmm. back to that initial customer experience there's a feeling it's an emotion mm -hmm. and their data point uh, I'm not even going to guess it because I, I I forget. But I I forgot to the exact metric. I'll look it up. There was a significant amount of renewals happen, and when they when they uh, quit or when they asked surveyed the the buyers, it was because, well the initial sales experience set the whole tone. Mm -hmm. so couldn't agree more on that. Now related to my team, so one thing that we we're recognizing is that you know, humans cannot adapt without either process changes or technology implementations as fast mm -hmm. as managers like myself want them to. So two things that we're doing, you know, first is really focusing them in on, you know, what we call is ideal customer profile. Mm -hmm. So it won't go too deep into like what our ICP is, but every company, especially now needs to be laser focused into two things. One is companies that actually can buy right now. Mm -hmm. There's organizations that are going through extremely tough situations. Let's, let's ensure your sellers know who those are. So they're focusing, my word I use at Mediafly all the time, focusing our calories mm -hmm. on, on opportunities that are worth it mm -hmm. um, for both parties. Second is, we're still related to the ICP, is remove the noise of all the different types of companies that traditionally you could sell to when the economy was flowing. Um, you could be right in front of people. So some certain vernacular versus, you know, say a retailer versus CPG. Mm -hmm. account, you could just get through because you could kind of sense it in the room and you needed to pivot. Now we're, we don't have those luxuries. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for some companies than others, but be laser focused into the accounts that you know you do best with and that are also from an economy perspective still are providing a need to their clients. And, and between those two things, what I, what I see happening with our team is becoming laser focused in a situation that we can ask those really customer centric questions that you know are maybe level two, three questions. When if we were trying to sell to five industries like we had in the past, those things are just really tough to do. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something I think that's really important that I didn't want to let go that 
you can't leave it to chance. You as VP of sales, you've got to have process and make sure that the process is aligned to success in this new world. There's got to be technology and content uh, to go with it and then coaching as well. So we can't just say, okay, you know, you used to book a plane ticket and go do the visit and you knew how to do that. Now we're online, go for it, right? You have to make sure that there, uh, this transition and transformation is one that is assisted. Yeah. And lack of better term is viewed as an opportunity. A lot of Mm -hmm. companies have been putting off significant changes to what you just mentioned you know, guiding your reps, making sure they have the tools to succeed, making sure you're coaching them on time effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think change, are, I don't think times are going to change too much here in the next year. Sure. We may be getting back on planes, you know, eventually. And I know, I know technically we can be, mm-hmm. but I think what we're realizing is some of the stuff working from home isn't that bad and, yeah. and contracts are still being signed and, mm-hmm. and the efficiencies of doing business the way they are make a lot of business sense. So even if for some companies, this may be a temporary thing just because the nature of your business, it still should be viewed as a long-term investment because the reality is for your buyers, the people you sell to, they may actually begin to have a preference of doing business this way. And, and so for those reasons, you know, investing now shouldn't be just for a kind of a a bandaid to get us through the next six months. Mm -hmm. The solutions you should be looking for are ones that definitely translate to, you know, if this lasts a long time or, you know, travel in-person meetings become a thing again. Yeah. So I view it as a, you know, definitely it, it should be a long-term plan. Uh, it should be accelerating your digital transformation, but it's one that you cannot wait to take steps towards and doing so immediately, I think is important. And one of the areas I know that some of your clients have had great success with is uh, presentations, you know, taking a presentation and reimagining it, have it transcend from kind of that flat PowerPoint. You want to talk about one or two examples that you've got of a company doing that to take steps now to succeed without having it be a big, enormous RFP and project and everything else. So a couple that come to mind, you know, one is um, one of the largest pet food companies in, in, in the world. Um, it's a business unit of Nestle. And, and ultimately, they had been trying to perfect their content before exposing it to sales for, a, you know, cause again, the marketing team as they should be, we're, we're really trying to be perfectionists mm-hmm. on every slide and through help of our customer success team and, and our sales team at Mediafly, we, we help them understand that even though it's sensitive with, you know, some egos involved, it's not always about exactly what's on the slide. It's about the experience of why a rep brings that slide up mm-hmm. or the, or the reason why a rep, navigates to a certain imagery that of course needs to look good. And so from their perspective, they, they handed over their PowerPoint deck of, you know, about 80 slides and through our technology and, and through services, we, we provided the ability for them to still have all 80 slides. It's just the navigation to those is no longer slide by slide by slide. Mm-hmm. It is really designed to do two things. One is help their sellers follow a discovery process that had been lacking for a long time turn it more into a conversation instead of interrogation. Mm-hmm. But also they finally were able to put their marketing content to real use. Um, not that it wasn't before, but the data they had is no one really got past slide 30 in this deck. And so now some of these awesome data points that live um, deeper in the deck. Yeah. It, like if, if it comes up in the first discovery, you know, conversation, 
click a button and just like that, the, the, the beautiful content that they use is being surfaced in the right way. Um, the other scenario is, is I referenced this before, it's you know, one of the largest commercial real estate companies in the world. You know, it reached out to Mediafly out of candidly some fear because they had been doing in-person pitches for these multi-multi-million dollar contracts with the Fortune 500 to mm -hmm. manage all of their real estate services globally. Just the way their business has always ran for years is go in, in person, bring a big team mm -hmm. and, and relationships will, will persevere. Don't get me wrong, there's some definitely value added as well. And they recognize that after their first few done virtually, they need to rethink this entirely. Mm -hmm. And so that's where Mediafly stepped in. And, you know, thankfully their marketing team had found us and said, hey, like, this is a fear thing. And we know we, we're going to put our, our client or prospective client to sleep if we do it the way we have. So it, it was good to hear because I think a lot of companies recognize this. They just don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, I think PowerPoints is, is the best we have. The reality is, is there are systems out there that can help you bring to life and remove the fear. And the cool thing about that example, Tom, is I got a text that night after their seven hour pitch, the consultant in the room said, this is, this was the best presentation um, we'd ever sat in on. Wow. So I'm not saying, I think what I think what it was, was there's the emotion slash confidence of their sellers that was able to come out as if it was an in-person meeting because mm -hmm. they had the right content and the right structure and the right presentation platform. I think those things can be released with the right technology solutions. So sellers can sell. Sellers are always going to be involved, but how do you get the most out of them? You know, mm -hmm. not giving them second guessing of, I don't think this deck is right, but I'm going to have to go in with it anyways. Yeah. So a couple examples there that, you know, a little long-winded, sorry about that, but two, two pretty unique examples. No, I love that, it. And I hope they're relevant for the audience here. Yeah, I think they are. Um, you spoke about kind of rethinking the deck and 80-page deck is not uncommon for, I know, me to see in some of the customers I go to. Shoot, I think the biggest one was over 200 pages of, of PowerPoint that I saw. I think one of the first pieces of advice I've got for a client like that is reimagine your presentation in terms of vignettes, like little stories. And then make sure every one of those stories is oriented towards a piece of the discussion you're going to have with the customer, in particular around their challenges. And you know, could you instead rethink the presentation instead of being linear through here's challenge one, here's challenge two, draw a picture of a day in the life of the customer. And then the seller can navigate through each one of those little picture elements and yep. have a little story around each one and a little sub presentation where they're giving insights about it, maybe success stories, showing use cases that relate to those challenges. And so we can rethink presentations as being interactive, hierarchical, and challenge focused all in one. And I know that's, um, I think what you did with at least one, if not both of those presentations. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think, you know, kind of relevant to those examples, but also I think just relevant to the topic you brought up there is, is, is clearly being able to move with the customer and, and making it feel like this solution we're putting together is for them. And that's why we're spending the time asking business related questions, persona, Again, you don't say persona in front of them, but yeah. question, you know we'll, they'll care about. Uh, and I think one thing that was that we haven't talked about yet that I'm pretty passionate about is there's one there there are really good ways to do discovery, and then there's ways that I think can 
can turn people off. And so- and, and Justin, this is one of the areas where I think a lot of online meetings are falling flat, right? Um, sellers are relying on the PowerPoint. They're not having these kind of back and forth discussions and discovery seems to be falling by the wayside. So go for it. Tell us about yeah. your discovery advice. Yeah, yeah. So I think one thing that's missed is, is the seller needs to have a hypothesis coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, it shows you've done your homework. It shows that this is common for your, uh, your company because this, I'm seeing characteristics of, you know, your website, uh, your history at the company. I've and, and you as a seller, you've got experience. You visited with three other CPG companies this week, right? So you can bring them and 10 over the past month. Keep going. Exactly. Yep. And, and so the reason that triggered in my head is when you mentioned vignettes. And, and so uniquely Mediafly has positioned our sales org is, you know, the nature of the way we present and the nature of we, the way we do discovery is, is we'll have a couple of materials ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's because we've done our homework. We have a hypothesis on what we think you're feeling. Um, but at the same time, just letting them know if I'm completely wrong, we're good here because again, unique to us. I mean, this is what we're selling, <laughs> but we're fine because I have everything else that could be relevant to your business right at my fingertips. Yeah. I just thought this sounded too similar to other examples. I chatted to this or companies I talked to this week. So more times than not, it's not, you're not, you're never completely off base. It's like, what a better launch pad to get real business insight from the person you're selling to then coming in with a really strong hypothesis, having some content ready to go, and then giving them the floor. Yeah. And this is the CEB challenger approach, right? Having a hypothesis about what they're challenged with. You cannot walk in and saying, well, what's keeping you up at night? And you know, it just doesn't cut you. You've immediately lost all credibility. Go in teaching a little bit, um, telling them about your experiences and storytelling about a couple of companies that you know well in their environment and use that as the launch pad to then ask some discovery questions. And when it comes to discovery questions, I was talking to Brent Adamson uh, a few months back and we were talking about Socratic questioning. Uh, and that was a technique that was part of Challenger and part of the new Challenger is, you know, making sure you're getting customers when you're asking questions asking them in a poignant way, almost like an analyst would. So they would self-realize their pain, the cost of doing nothing and get self-motivating as they're answering you. They're realizing, hmm, maybe I should address this challenge that you're, you're highlighting with this, this question. I love it. Yeah. And I think this follows, you know, our internal methodology of the close uh, method methodology as well. And I think a lot of the methodologies have a ton of similarities. You know, some mm -hmm. are more, I've realized more like forecasting, like BANT, is not a sales methodology. That is mm -hmm. a, that is a forecasting methodology and it's still necessary. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be sales methodology. Uh, what we're talking about here is more of a sales methodology. Mm -hmm. And so the closed methodology, the, the, the second part of that is, is loss. Mm -hmm. And, and so being very thoughtful around, you know, you don't want to make them, you don't want to create a, a defensive conversation, but with some data points, let them know, that if you don't change, here's the loss you're going to face. But then immediately mm -hmm. talk about the opportunity of, with real examples of when companies did get over the hump and that loss was too great for them to continue to chew, um, they invested in a solution and here is the outcome. 
So I, I love, I haven't thought about it that way um, in, in terms of, uh, what was the word? So, so Socratic. Yeah. 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 That, so in my history and economic degree, I, I don't know if I covered that uh, too much. Um, what would that be? The ancient uh, Greeks. Ancient Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit, but yeah, not, not, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I, I couldn't agree more that it comes down to really, you know, there, there's a little bit of art, a little bit of process to this. The best of the best have both. What, what you need to ensure is, you know, for everyone else on the team, you have that process and you're really handing them the playbook on the right types of topics to converse around that gets the, 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 the potential buyer to, just like you said, self-realize that and also feel maybe a little bit at risk if, mm-hmm. if they don't. Absolutely. You know, what, if, what if their CEO finds out that this was always an option and they yeah. didn't invest? Again, so your approach, you know, definitely present the hypothesis get them to start sharing around that hypothesis, right? Agreeing with the parts they agree with, maybe disagreeing, maybe adding to it, and then having those self-awareness building so that they're kind of, you're building up a little bit of the fear, uncertainty, doubt in them. Yeah, no, it's, it's always a fine line. That's why I love selling. It's like, you're never going to get it right. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're going to upset some people, not intentionally, but these are, these are tough conversations. And one thing that I, again, going to my history, um, the reason I got into sales is the first job I got, I sold uh, auto home and life insurance. Hmm. It's actually the second chip on my shoulder is that I failed the uh, property and casualty test twice. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> I was really looking at myself in the mirror being like, I can't do this. Like what, what's going on? But I eventually mm-hmm. passed it, um, came out like a, a cannonball once I passed that test. And the reason I bring that up is there's a lot of negative connotations to insurance sales um, and and specifically life insurance sales. Yeah, it's a hard thing to sell. It's, uh, yeah, it's intangible. It's a lot more enjoyable to do it for businesses, but it's the same thing in the sense that, or selling business solutions, getting people thinking about what if. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. some of my best experience in this happened my first job out of college is, you know, talking to them about life insurance and, mm-hmm. and it translates again, it's more enjoyable talking about business outcomes than, you know, that bad of an outcome, mm-hmm. but uh, it does kind of go back to things. And that's, you know, I enjoy looking back and thinking, you know what, I think that's when I first realized that's important. And mm-hmm. then for this topic, that's when I first realized that's really powerful stuff. Yeah. And I think you're hitting on something too, that, you know, believing in what you're selling, um, sure. even if it's a necessary evil like life insurance or, um, improving sales performance and optimization and marketing optimization, you know, believing in it, I think comes through and that enthusiasm comes through a lot. Getting back to a, a little bit on the interactive side, I know you're a big believer and user in things like diagnostic assessments and value assessments and ROI. Talk about how you're using those tools now to outperform many other, you know, competitive sellers. Right. So the, these are things that, you know, should have been in place at companies um, a long time ago. And, and for candidly, I mean, a lot of companies have invested in, in tools like this. Uh, specifically, we notice something in software, high tech, mm-hmm. or any, any very high value software solution where you know you're going to put something in front of a CFO that, you know, is over, you know, seven figures then, or even six figures. I mean, you, you, they're, okay, when am I getting my money back, right? Yeah, yeah. And think about Show that. me the business case. Yeah, think about it right now, Tom. I mean, we talk about this all the time is the way I view tools like that 
and, and, and applications that help sellers justify the value from the very beginning of the sales process from more diagnostics to the end of justifying cost is it's all upside. Mm-hmm. There is no negativity to doing this as long as it's delivered correctly in the sense that I went out and even if they didn't ask for it, I went out, did some homework. It's easier if they're publicly traded because a lot of the data points that you need um, around revenue and margins and, and, and maybe reading into their um, annual statements of their growth projections, you know, you can, you can take some uh, stabs at it with some real data, but it's the fact that you were so thoughtful that you knew this person was going to face an uphill climb. And these conversations should be happening over you know weeks and months as you're mm-hmm. running the sales process, but it's all upside. You know, it's, the numbers on there are never going to be perfect. They're never going to be, you know, exactly right until you know they spend time with you to you know put together their real data. Mm-hmm. But what a better way to show partnership, to show that you're differentiating, and you're also you're thinking about the long-term result of what you sell. Going back to the CEB data point that neither of us know off the top of our head. <laughs> That's why companies renew yeah. is, is somebody took an extra hour or two now with Mediafly, we can do it in minutes, but, but it, it, it's still the, the fact that you thought of mm-hmm. that and you knew it wasn't a slam dunk because nothing is slam dunk right now mm-hmm. for, for any software seller. And so um, I think it's all upside, spend the extra time to do it. Even if your organization is just giving you spreadsheets with ROI tools right now, it's worth it. And again, it's all upside the fact that you're putting the extra time in to do that for your, for your yeah. prospect or your customer. Yeah, I mean, you're highlighting it. Uh, COVID committees are in place, budget freezes, spending lockdowns. That's all the reality. You got to overcome it with financials. I mean, there's going to be an emotional part to the sale. You got to get your champion on board and be emotionally connected to you. But there are people that are never going to see or meet you who are going to approve this project and they need to see the numbers and they need to know the story around the numbers too. So putting together a value story and having a value assessment, deliver it proactively, don't wait for the customer to ask, and then collaborate with them to get the numbers together the way they want, I think is essential. Now, when you're done with the digital meeting, you know, we've reshaped it, right? You've got a new type of presentation. It's interactive. It's hierarchical. It's based on challenges. You can pivot to the challenges. You've got a workspace where you can pivot to related content. You've got value tools that are interactive. You can proactively put together the business case form. It's after the meeting. Before, when you used to leave that meeting, you had data sheets, right? You could leave behind a brochure. You could leave behind um, maybe the presentation and and an output that you did. I mean, there are CPG companies that would never even present on an overhead. They would just have a PowerPoint printed for everyone in the meeting room. Obviously, that's not the right. case now. So how do you make it easy to do these leave behinds in a digital selling environment? Yeah, so I think it's one thing I've you know, taken for granted, uh, again, just because of, of working with, for Mediafly for mm-hmm. a period of time is, is it's now the expectation that I know what's happening once I've left the room. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so, so what do you do instead of a paper? I mean, are you emailing them the material you presented? Yeah. So it is, uh, you know, we're sending digital links right out of, okay. out of Mediafly. And so what that gives us the ability to do is even if there's other information that wasn't a part of that initial hypothesis that you navigated to in the meeting, with a few clicks of a button, you get that full story hot off the press 
um, except you're not printing it this time, <laughs> it's hot off the link generation press of Mediafly, you know, you're able to send over a very tailored workspace collection of content. Um, some of these things are, you know, kind of internal vernacular, but think of it as a very tailored follow-up that is all digital, makes it really easy for the person you just spoke to, to share that specific story that they just received from you in a digital format to their buying committee, their peers, shortening sales cycles, instead of running another demo, you can get ahead of some of this with very interactive follow-up materials like we mm -hmm. have at Fly. First off, it's great that you can just send it digitally. That's, mm -hmm. that's great, especially when you're sending and, it. And custom assemble it, right? So you can take the PowerPoint you presented, maybe a video, success stories, screenshots, whatever, whatever was kind of discussed and put it together in this custom document, essentially, custom link that then is shared. Exactly, and then, you know, after that, my team receives updates on who's looking at it. And, and you know, if we know the CFO is in New Jersey and they weren't able to attend the meeting, but then the link starts being open in New Jersey and you see they're zeroing on our proposal ROI slide, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it gives the seller another data point especially in a world where you're not seeing people face to face anymore. Candidly, a lot of like the last few customers that have invested in Mediafly, it's really been because for, you know, variety of, of, of reasons, but that eye to eye connection just isn't there anymore. Whether mm -hmm. it's they bought because of after the meeting, being able to get data on, you know, where the rep should follow up or like the, the, the um, few examples I mentioned before, really about the in-person experience. I think all these things are really exposing themselves right now. In a, in a what could be a tough sales environment uh, with, with, with the tools we've been, you know, I think conversing around, not even like going line by line, we're just having a conversation and these things are being brought up. Mm -hmm. these, these tools are here for the long run. Uh, you're gonna have sellers join your company that have had stuff like this at previous companies that are gonna think, what did I just join here? And, and I, would, I would, you know, advise, you know, uh, you know, talking to some peers, figuring out what they're doing, you know, how are you enabling solutions to the challenges, you know, Tom and I are reviewing here today, uh, because it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, I think here to stay. Yeah. So you can't leave your paper behind anymore. Printed brochures, printed collateral that used to be a mainstay catalogs for a lot of CPG companies, all that stuff now needs to be digital and you need to be able to assemble a custom collection, I think is a good word. I know it's the word yeah. we use, but a custom share link that you can give to the customer. What I love about it is that you've got the insight into how engaged or not engaged a customer is. So you send it to one customer and they don't open it. I mean, you know that you should prompt that company or maybe move on, right? Which is something that we need to do oh. in sales nowadays. Other times, um, Dan on, on uh, my team, he said, yeah, the customer opened it 200 times and sure enough, they signed that next day, you know? Right. So over the past two weeks, they've engaged with it just hundreds of times. And so he knew that customer was one he should be spending a lot more time with. Um, he had another one that I know well that hadn't opened it for a while. They were busy doing other things and then finally re-engaged with the content. And so he followed up, you know, not right that minute, but that same day he followed up and he was able to, you know, discuss with them some questions that they had. And it's almost like you're a mind reader at that point. So not only are we able to transcend this remote issue, but actually elevate the game, which I love with some of these digital experiences is reimagining how 
that static piece of content, you'd give it to the customer, you know, they'd throw it in the trash when you left, or they'd put it in a drawer, or now you know exactly how they're interacting with it, and even more so, how they're sharing it with others on the buying committee, and perhaps running it up the executive or COVID committee flagpole, which is so essential. Without a doubt. Uh, a former manager of mine kind of drilled into my head, and I think about it all the time, if, you know, especially in new business sales, where, where my focus lies at, at, at Mediafly with my team is most of, as it should be, with the open, a lot of public information out there, a lot of these are very competitive um, opportunities. You know, if they're not talking to you, they're probably talking to someone else. Mm -hmm. and, and because of the constraints virtual working has put on large corporations, sometimes they literally can't like talk to us or they're, they're, they're like, there's something else going on, but mm -hmm. to know that behind the scenes conversations are happening, people are looking at our information. It does fill that gap of, okay, they're thinking about us. And, and it also, you know, prompts action from a seller to, to, to now what is, could be a very qualified opportunity. Whereas two months ago, it wasn't the right time. Yep. And earlier we talked about the marketing persona. Marketers can now understand a lot more as well, not just the individual seller, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is, I think it's a great time to be a marketer just because a lot of these solutions uh, that, that Mediafly provides because of the challenges of virtual selling, they're going to start getting data that they've needed for years around mm -hmm. what's resonating most. If you think about CBG companies looking at a group of sellers in a certain territory that performed very highly from a revenue perspective compared to the state next to them, you know, that's great because the business is winning in that territory, but there's really no action to get that other group better um, mm -hmm. or, or spread that knowledge around. But if you can correlate these sell sheets or these case studies, these are being used most in that region. It's no longer a thought that, hey, you guys should be using this. It is your peers are kicking your butt because they're using the latest information that's comes from a lot of data that mm -hmm. put, is put into these. So I think it's a great time to be a marketer. It's a great time to, uh, to really justify all of the, the, the hours that go into, you know, a new product release deck or mm -hmm. the new case study. Yeah, because think about how much is spent on content in a typical company, right? And how much a, a traditional marketing group would not know whether that was helping sales in the least, much less worth in spending more money on for the next product release. Right. Yeah. It's just really just giving them, giving them data to, you know, uh, identify losses sooner. So as soon as you produced a dud, you know, now mm -hmm. instead of six months from now, just like in sales, I want to know that tomorrow instead of six months from now. Yeah. Fail fast. Right. Fail yeah. fast. But also when you do knock it out of the park, you know that you should be able to get two more heads on your team instead mm -hmm. of, instead of just kind of asking for it, you should be able to present a report that really delivers that for you. Yeah, so knowing what's being used or not used, what's being consumed or not consumed, and then best of all, what's actually driving revenue and performance improvements versus what's not to drive your next marketing investment. So Dustin, we covered a lot of ground. Um, we, in this call alone, I think have reinvented PowerPoint, talked about the interactive assessments and how important those are, talked about the ability to create collections and leave behinds, the uh, ability to be better at tracking and intelligence. I mean, there's a lot of upside to this digital transformation that this is forcing a lot of sales enablement and marketing leaders to accelerate. 
Um, but you know, this is not a short-term investment. I think there's very uh, quick steps that could be taken on the journey, but it's a long-term uh, program that I think is going to pay off dividends coming out of this crisis. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think I think you know if if there was a takeaway, it, it's hard on a lot of people. So I think the word you hear flown around a lot is empathy. But I think mm-hmm. one one takeaway for for the audience here is you know think about the last few sales calls you've been on where the suggestion you know the example Tom gave earlier around you know it was clearly a uh, a one sided deck right very mm-hmm. much them why they were the best fit have empathy is to you know, your sellers and, and what are they given that gives them the ability to not go down that same path and, and realize that right now that is being exposed tenfold as the, even the best of the best that can really would scrap those PowerPoint decks and walk in, maybe not even show anything and have a conversation. Those opportunities are, are in a lot of cases, just not available at all. And, and this is the good time to invest in a solution like that. Yeah, I think that term empathy is the one piece of advice to leave the evolvers with is key. Um, transformation is not an option. Don't keep putting up your sucky PowerPoints. Um, don't have online meetings that are going to waste people's time. I think the important thing is to be empathetic to the time they are giving you and just create a special experience for them in every meeting. Yeah, I think those are great. It's, it's been great. Um, it's been great chatting with you, Tom. And I know we we talk quite a bit, but it's been fun to just kind of uh, break it down like we have and and talk shop. This is this is stuff I really passionate about and glad to be part of the, um, the the group here with you guys today. Well, you know, Dustin, that comes through, and I really want to advise everyone. We're going to include a link to your LinkedIn. Reach out to Dustin. I mean, he is running a sales team that is transforming every day. He's learning every day in this new environment. And I know he's more than happy to share any and all of these experiences that he's taken his team through and how he's helping to shape and re-engineer and reimagine other companies that he's working with. So Dustin, thank you so much from the Evolvers today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Tom. Have a good one.